0: hello hello and welcome to another episode of coco's cup i'm your host Coco cocohontas and i'm so grateful that you're here in this week's episode we're going to be talking about family versus autonomy and how i was able to circuit through that in a traditional household but before we begin i wanted to remind you guys that i have merch so if you go on etsy.com and just search Coco cocohontas or coco's cup it should show up there's a couple options right now and if you don't get it, it this is a hate crime recorded in live Whether you're joining in from TikTok or this is your first episode that you're tuning into, if you are, I love y'all! Anyway, so I'm a first generation Sudanese Muslim woman and that in itself is a mouthful and poses a lot of threats, believe me. And with the multitude of identities that I have, it creates an intersection of family expectations, autonomy, and cultural and religious identities. More specifically, this pertains to the traditional Sudanese values that my family carries, and how culture and religion is mixed oftentimes. To preface, I think that Islam is a very beautiful religion and I adore it very much. I think that the problem is posed when Muslim cultures tend to mix religion and culture and confuse the two. Some examples of when culture and religion are mixed, although they're not meant to be, is honor killings, racism, oppression of women, banning women from obtaining education, All of these practices are condemned in Islam, but culturally, a lot of cultures go ahead and validate it and allow for it to keep happening. And at this point, it's very clear that religion and culture cannot be separated because for many generations and for many years, these things have been intermixed in a way that now people really believe that it's part of the religion. I'm not very in touch with my Sudanese culture, which causes a lot of disconnect because My parents are definitely from a different generation and they have different expectations compared to what I believe in. And our beliefs differ culturally and religiously even though we're both Sudanese Muslims. Some of the traditional Sudanese values that my parents have and many other Sudanese people believe in are respect for elders, collectivism, gender roles, hospitality, education, and respect to traditions. I have my own thoughts and beliefs to the things that I just listed out for you guys, which also creates a disconnect because my parents and the generations before them just kind of upheld traditions, even if it didn't make sense and I'm not that girl. Respect for elders makes sense to me, okay? But listen, as soon as an adult becomes disrespectful to me, I'm not backing down, ever, and to my future kids. I'm never going to teach them to respect someone older than you just because they're older than you, that doesn't make sense. Sudan is a country that believes in collectivism. America is a country that believes in individualism. You see the problem? Learning and growing up in America creates a cognitive dissonance because the things that I'm being taught at school are not the things that my parents believe in. Sudanese people place a lot of importance on family. People will stay with their family for many many years, they will stay dependent on their family and have codependent relationships. From what I've seen like in TV shows and hearing about my friends, they tend to just move out when they're 18. Sometimes you don't get help from their parents because their parents think that their job is done once they're 18. And with this intersection of my identities, I feel like for a long time I didn't feel like I belonged. Because what I was being told at school and from my household were just completely polar different, like it didn't make any sense. And then in addition, the world now is a little bit more liberal, more modern in their beliefs, so gender rules doesn't necessarily exist, only in ways that benefit the person that wants them. You hear the discussion all the time of should guys be required to pay for the first date and things like that, and it it does exemplify gender rules. But I also used to be the girl that didn't really care if I was going to pay or he was going to pay, but, super important, it did make me feel more masculine than when I was paying, I don't know what that means. Meanwhile, gender roles in Sudan are very, very prevalent even till now. Men are expected to be the provider, the protector, all of that, the man of the house. Women, I guess in some in some ways it's changed a little bit because they do want women to pursue degrees. But even if you do have a degree, sometimes you're still expected to be the housewife. Even if you have a full-time job, you come home, you take care of the kids, and you clean and cook and don't complain about it. Sudanese people are very hospital people. They want you to feel like their home is your home. The things that they have are also extended to you. And to me, I always found this kind of weird because I wouldn't be hospitable to everybody. I would pick and choose people that deserved it because I see oftentimes, like with my mom, people take advantage of her. And people will come over, elongate their stay, or they'll just come unannounced. There's this one man in particular, he was unmarried for a long time, and he would just invite himself over for dinner. He would tell my mom, through voicemail, what he was expecting to eat. He was a Sudanese man, I hate him. His oldest daughter is maybe 25, and he recently just remarried. The woman is pregnant, and he expected my mom to come over to take care of his pregnant wife and to cook and clean because she was unable to. And of course, as a man, he's not gonna go in the kitchen, what's he doing in there? And I feel like the craziest part about it is that my mom went... And that is just insane to me because I would never let anyone disrespect me, one, and I would never let anyone take advantage of me like that, that's not happening. A lot of my beliefs don't align with my parents because they come from such traditional Sudanese homes, so it's created a lot of conflict. I know in Sudan, because it's a predominantly Muslim country, it's very normal for kids to start wearing hijab early, And a big part of that is because since it's a predominantly muslim country it's very normalized it's expected for a woman to and she's obviously going to feel comfortable and safe because she's in a muslim country not to say that harassment and assault doesn't happen to women in muslim countries that are wearing hijab but that it adds to their protection because they're constantly being exposed to it me when i was 11 starting to wear hijab in america i didn't go to school with anyone that wore hijab there was maybe one other girl I think mainly because I didn't understand the importance or the value of wearing hijab and what it was meaning for me, what it meant for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I just hated it. I felt like I was a target and I not that I was bullied or anything for it, but I just felt like I was just so exposed and out in the open. And then not even because I'm a dark skinned woman, I just felt like I was so easy to see. I couldn't be invisible even if I wanted to be. And I was also receiving a lot of questions from kids that went to my previous elementary school asking what I was wearing and what I was wearing it for. And of course, they're kids too, they're curious, but I didn't have an answer for them. My answer was just, oh, my mom makes me do it. My mom makes me do it. Like, that is such a bad answer. The concept of autonomy and individuality in the context of Islam and being Sudanese felt damn near impossible for me. In the prime of me wearing hijab, I thought that I was gonna be married young. I probably wouldn't be going to school. I'd be a housewife, I'd have kids very young. I felt very oppressed. I felt like this is where my life was going to go when I couldn't do anything about it. I was always taught that women do not have autonomy because while you're under the house of your parents, you listen to your dad and you don't leave the house. You don't move out of the house until you get married and then you obey your husband. And I also realized very young that I didn't have my own identity. I wasn't my own individual person because I was always seen through the lens of somebody else. And even for a very long time, I felt like I was always gonna be objectified as a woman because when somebody refers to an Arabi, one refers to me as a girl, they refer to me as man, comma, whoever I am to them. So like my dad's daughter, my older brother's sister. And then I would just become someone's wife. And I don't think that Sudanese women or Muslim women think of it too hard. But I do, because I would want someone to just call me by my name, like why, do, why is somebody else's name attached to mine? Trying to find balance between your family's expectation and your desires for autonomy can be really difficult. The main thing for me is cultural sensitivity. My parents and I do come from different cultures because I think that I, I do know a decent amount about Sudanese culture, yes, but n- I haven't experienced it. And a lot of the culture ties more into religion than a culture itself, right? And with that being said, I have taken a lot from American culture and black culture, and I've adopted those things as well. And because my mom doesn't believe that we're black, when I engage in black culture, like when I got locks, she was very upset, very, very upset. Gradual change can be very helpful for you in your journey. So for example, I wanted to change a lot about myself immediately when I turned 18 because I was under like the American influence. Once I'm 18, I can do whatever I want, blah, 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 it doesn't work that way. So when I turned 20, I outwardly stopped wearing hijab, and then I was just gradually expressing myself and expressing my autonomy by doing things that made me happy and made me feel like I was myself, and that meant getting new piercings, changing my hair, and to my mom, she's always been very sensitive about hair color, and I've done about every hair color in the book. I just kind of waited a little bit so she can get used to it and be less mad for the next time that I change my hair. If you come from a background where your family is a little bit more understanding and they kind of listen to what you have to say, I would say compromise. Compromise is good. But compromise doesn't exist for me, so setting boundaries is really important. And this means doing the things that make me happy, explaining why I'm not gonna stop doing it and acting on it. This example is particularly random, but I used to always want to be a WWE diva or be in some sort of UFC. And when I got to high school, they had wrestling, but my mom said no. She said that one of the, the coaches would touch me or something, and she's heard too many stories, blah, blah, blah. Again, it was just merits of her control, because whenever I wanted to do another sport, she didn't allow me, whereas she let my, all of my other siblings do sports. So I, of course, was pretty bummed about that, and I stayed pretty bummed, just told myself that I would never be able to do it. I started a kickboxing class maybe a month ago, and it makes me really happy, but it makes her really upset. And she tells me that wrestling and kickboxing and all of that kind of stuff just doesn't make sense for girls. It's not feminine. It's not attractive. My boundary is it's a sport that makes me happy. It's a sport that keeps me fit and makes me feel good. So I'm going to continue doing it because it betters me and that I'm not going to stop doing it just because it causes her discomfort. It's also really important to have a lot of patience and resilience because you are going to get pushed back when your parents start realizing that you're trying to you know, uphold your identity and express your autonomy, there is going to be pushback, but you just kind of have to stand on business and stay true to what you have to say and what you want. In the last year, setting boundaries has allowed me to tiptoe around the dynamics that I have with my family. My dad has been a lot more receptive and just understanding because I think that he's been able to transition from parenting a child to parenting an adult, whereas my mom is struggling a lot and she thinks that whatever she says is final and that I just have to listen to her no matter what. And that becomes really confusing because then she starts seeing when I'm doing the things that make me happy and doing things for myself, rather than for her, that it's disrespect. To be able to express my autonomy and stay true to myself, it's been really important to stay secure in my identity and really understanding who I am as a person. This timeline does not look the same for every person. You might have a realization two years from now. You might have had it four years ago. I had mine this year. And I'm 21. I was 20 when I had it, but still. A big part of having security in your identity is having that self-awareness and understanding of your own identity, values, and goals. Another really important aspect is engaging in self-empowerment. This means that you're recognizing the right to make choices that align with your values and your aspirations, and also understanding that autonomy is a really important and fundamental part of your growth. I know that before I learned what boundaries were, it kind of sounded a little bit critical to me. But really understanding and recognizing that boundaries are meant to protect your autonomy and that boundaries are meant to protect your relationship against someone else, protect your right, your values, and how you feel. In trying to protect the intersectionality between your familial expectations and your own autonomy, I would suggest selective sharing. This would just mean that you're choosing what to disclose to maintain privacy and, again, your autonomy. I know that some people feel like you need to be completely honest with your parents and if that's what your relationship is like, I'm happy for you, I'm glad that it's thriving, but that's not the case for everybody. Sometimes you need to keep things out or just do it in ways that you're protecting your peace and protecting their peace as well. And I cannot stress this enough, but self-care is really, really important. This looks different from person to person, but a few examples would mean going to therapy, nurturing your mental and emotional well-being, engaging in activities. For me, I really like and enjoy getting my nails done, getting a fun bev, kickboxing, and ice skating. I find that I function the best when I'm focusing on the things that I can control in my life. This looks like concentrating on areas of my life that I can shape according to my desires, and this really helps to create a sense of agency for me. If you come from an emotionally immature family like myself, finding common ground can be really daunting. I found out that in recent months, I've had an easier time finding mutual understanding with my dad. He's a little bit more attentive and he's able to really listen and understand to things that I'm saying. And I really appreciate it because when you have a receptive parent, well, this is new to me, but I think that it feels really rewarding and it's really nice and it's made me have a change in heart of how I want to pursue my relationship with him. There are a lot of challenges that come with intersectionality of your identities. And this can include the generational differences, as I've talked to before. My parents came from a different generation, so they have different beliefs and values compared to me. My dad, I would say, is a little bit more modern, and he's been able to adjust to the American culture. But my mom isn't very modern, she's pretty conservative, I would say. But because of this, it creates a lot of misunderstandings and disagreements. There's also a lot of communication barriers, because my parents' generation didn't really talk about their emotions, so they lacked that emotional intelligence. There's also the expectation of roles from their tradition, and this can lead to the isolation that I felt before because my experiences weren't validated or understood. But I guess at the same time, I don't necessarily blame them. I just wish that things could have been different in the past, you know what I mean? guys this is gonna conclude this week's episode i am so exhausted and i'm so ready to go to bed but i love you guys so i gotta make it work 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 as always we're gonna show some gratitude so i wanted to say that i'm very very grateful for you d i appreciate you so much and i love you very much and i'm so thankful for the amount of support and endless love and care that you showed towards me I hope that you all have a happy and safe and healing weekend. Happy early Halloweeny if you celebrate. I love you all very much and I'll see you later.